Welcome to Sustainably Speaking. I'm your host, Mia Quinn. Almost every industry is enhancing their focus on sustainability. So how is that reshaping different organizations' priorities, and what does it look like? The organization where I work, the American Chemistry Council, our Sustainability Leadership Awards recognize innovative products, technologies, and initiatives helping to advance sustainability. They honor initiatives for their impact in different areas, including product safety, innovation and transparency, environmental protection, circularity, and societal contributions. Today, we're going to talk to two of the judges who evaluated more than 35 entries for the 2022 Sustainability Leadership Awards. We'll talk about a few of the winners, trends, and what it all means. I'm thrilled today to have with me judges Monica Ellis and Rob Westerville. Monica is the CEO and founder of the Global Environmental Technology Foundation. It's an organization that strives to uplift communities by strengthening water, sanitation, and hygiene. And Rob is the editor-in-chief for Chemical Week, where he's covered the chemical industry for the past 28 years. Monica, Rob, thanks so much for being here today. Monica, tell me more about the foundation and about what you do. The Global Environment and Technology Foundation was established in 1988, and we really focus on creating public-private partnerships that advance sustainability. The major sectors that we work in are public health, system strengthening, water sanitation and hygiene, but also water stewardship. And we work with a number of Fortune 100 companies, as well as with public institutions such as USAID and US EPA and others to form public-private partnerships that take sustainable ideas, technologies, and practices forward. But how did you link up with ACC and, and the Sustainability Leadership Awards? We work with a number of companies that are advancing and embracing circularity in their value chains. Rob, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Rob Westervelt, I'm the editor of Chemical Week, which covers the, the chemical industry, news and analysis. I think most people are familiar with us as a magazine, which we've been publishing for more than 100 years. But in more recent years, we've become essentially a daily news service for the industry. I've been with Chem Week 28 years now and editor for the last 11 years. What kind of changes have you seen? Companies had always discussed you know, sustainability targets, even through things like responsible care. And it was always, not that it wasn't important, but I don't think it was front and center to strategy like it's become over the last two years. Been a dramatic shift and it's just, it's continued to accelerate. So, you know, people tend to think of chemicals as, you know, an old line, stodgy industry, but it's, you know, the last 25 years, there's been some really big notable shifts in the U.S. And when you look at things like strategy and decarbonization and energy transition, some really dramatic changes have started to take place in the last two to three years. Thanks, Rob. All right, let's talk about the Sustainability Leadership Awards. So we reviewed the applications and then you're looking to rank them for uniqueness, addressing the challenges that they were seeking to solve. Were they scaling or was this just a novel idea? So that gets back to uniqueness, of course. And then how well do they address the business case for circularity in some cases or addressing the workforce needs of the sector, certainly. And then also looking at what was the potential for scale based on the organization and idea that was presented. 
think there were close to 30 different submissions that were, were very interesting. And the idea was what's scalable, what's practical, what's doable, and where have we started to see some measurable or quantifiable impact? And that's what drove who the awards went to. So for the Circularity Award, let's start there. ExxonMobil was the winner. And ExxonMobil won for its multi-pronged initiative, which includes building a facility that uses advanced recycling technology to process millions of pounds of used plastics and turn them into new plastics that can be used again. And through multiple efforts, including a joint venture called Cyclix and with the Houston Recycling Collaboration, Exxon's helping expand recycling access locally and also helping keep more used plastics out of landfills and into recycling facilities. This year, Exxon sold its first batch of certified circular plastics to packaging manufacturer Berry Global, who will use it to produce food grade packaging. Exxon, there are a lot of good initiatives in this space. Like Avity has really ramped up over the last, say three years. But I think what stood out about the Baytown project was it's, development of advanced recycling technology, which will be critical to addressing the issue of waste. There's, you know, mechanical recycling can get you so far in this journey, but what do you do with materials that can't be recycled or that have been downcycled already and aren't suitable for mechanical recycling? So that leaves a fair amount of plastic that has to be broken back down to monomer. And that's what was interesting about this award with Exxon and how they've engaged the supply chain. Monica, what stood out to you? What I was happy to see in this particular submission was one, the potential for Exxon, one of the largest corporations in the world, taking and embracing this because when you do that, a business case is being made both within the company that produces chemicals, but also wants to play a role in recycling. That's significant to see. And then working throughout the value chain, you've got to kind of look at all the different pain points on that recycling value chain and start to use your whole ecosystem. In this case, the ExxonMobil ecosystem to help address them. And I felt like this project actually did do that. I want to go back to a point you made about the business cases being made. So what can happen that can make that business case even more interesting is different technologies, greater adoption, of course, regulatory policy, a whole range of things can happen that could make that business case even more attractive. There's so many factors that go into improving sustainability. One of the most impactful steps is to engage and contribute to different communities. As the winner of the Societal Contributions Award, Covestro demonstrated the power of public-private partnerships. Continued improvements in product efficiency, in reducing waste, and creating a circular economy, they depend on education and innovation. So Covestro, a plastic maker, is collaborating with the University of Pittsburgh on a circular economy-focused graduate program, the first of its kind in the U.S., It will provide holistic training in circular economy principles and sustainable product design to address global waste and its impact on the environment. And the program kicks off in the fall of 2022. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this and why you all loved it and chose it? I thought it was interesting as the view on the circular economy and to have a focused 
graduate program to start to incentivize that at the university level. The, the industry talks about the need to engage stakeholders, and you think about that as the broader supply chain. But from a technology perspective, you know, from a policy perspective, they also need to engage with the university communities beyond what they do on the research side. Obviously, that's the University of Pittsburgh will be critical on the research side. But to start to build out a graduate program that's focused on the circular economy, I thought was, was very interesting. I would agree, Rob. It's just like in the space of sustainability. So I've been involved in the sustainability space since 1991. And I was part of the U.S. delegation to the Earth Summit when so much of sustainable development pledges were made and things were ratified. And what you find is a very quickly evolving the way that you support, I think, more rapid acceptance is to train a workforce to anticipate different challenges that might be coming up. I think that this particular submission was looking at the first circular economy focused graduate program in the United States. And what you'll find in being the first is that many other will follow. And that just takes the whole sector and the whole idea of circular economy farther. I think that ways that it continue to contribute in a meaningful way is to open it up to a number of students, perhaps have continuing education for people who are already in their professions and working in this space to take certain classes or maybe audit certain classes that are in there to really get the circular economy 101 latest technologies, trends, best practices, and open it up to as many students as possible. I love the idea of opening up as a continuing education option, and I can't wait to see what happens. And I can see this popping up in a lot of places, especially in states where you have major chemical manufacturing, recycling, manufacturing, places where these sectors can thrive. You know, companies are looking beyond the fence line, so to speak, in terms of how to engage on these issues. And I think that's going to be more critical going forward. So you engage at the university level. There are community efforts around water that were under consideration for this program. And one effort to encourage and stimulate thinking about these challenges outside of the fence line and, and how the plastics makers and the broader industry can engage you know, across not only just the supply chain, but with all stakeholders from local communities to universities to, to address these challenges. Collaboration is key to improving sustainability. However, identifying partners and fruitful opportunities can also be daunting and requires organizations to hone in on their strengths and weaknesses to better identify the right collaborators to make efficient and effective impact. Some companies and organizations like Closed Loop Partners, an investment firm that provides financing to companies committed to the circular economy and the winner of the External Collaborator Award. Closed Loop Partners collaborated with Nova Chemical, Lion Del Bazel, and Dow to establish the Closed Loop Circular Plastics Fund, which is a multi-million dollar fund to accelerate investment in technologies, companies, infrastructure projects, that are going to source, process, and return basically plastic, polyethylene, and polypropylene into manufacturing supply chains in both the U.S. and Canada to use for future products and packaging. It is really helping municipalities who have a desire to have recycling services. It's helping them get the financing, the technology, 
the funds that they need to do that. It also focuses, as some of our other initiatives that we mentioned, on different pain points in the value chain to recyclability acceptance. And so I just think it's a perfect, not just collaboration, but public-private partnership to bring together a coalition to address the gaps that exist to recyclability in the United States. I love it. This was my number one pick. I think is interesting about almost bringing a venture capital mindset to this problem. And how do you encourage private investment or incentivize private investment to address these challenges? Because I think that's going to be critical to addressing this challenge in plastics, sustainability, the broader energy transition. You're going to need private capital to step up, specifically venture capital type investments. I think if efforts like closed loop gain traction and the big venture capital firms start to think about this as a viable option and it can that can generate returns to take a venture capital type approach i think is essential going forward particularly around the technology space to to help address these challenges i agree with you rob they definitely take a venture capital mindset and approach they also i think do a very good job at not only bringing companies but the right municipalities online yep. so you could go all over but they're very strategic in their approach And it's just a really, really solid public-private partnership that's making a difference and has been for quite some time. When you say they bring the right municipalities online, what do you mean? Well, when you're being strategic, of course, you're picking municipalities that have some of the most significant recycling challenges. So that might be more urban areas. It might be places where if you could move the needle there first, Not only could you make a huge difference for that community, but also show larger urban areas how they could tackle their recycling challenges as well. So I guess piloting where it matters most is what I'm thinking. I would just say that the way that they're taking a landscape approach to different communities, there's opportunities for recurring revenue, maybe from the lease of the infrastructure that's utilized to recycle, because this technology and equipment is being provided and sold sometimes, but sometimes leased. There's opportunities for the creation of new products from the recycled material and new revenue streams based on the collection of that material, either from the consumer base or the citizens of the city, but also perhaps from other industries that need those certain recyclable materials as inputs. So you think about in the composting world, coffee grounds to grow mushrooms, you know, there are different ways to sort that recycled material that enables it to be inputs for other types of industries as well. So just a lot of different spokes on the wheel of what they're doing and the fact that they're bringing together the right partners who could be good, not only supporters of the technology, supporters of the fund, but perhaps purchasers of the recycled material at some point too. Yeah, but there's been a lot in the circularity space, a lot in the advanced recycling space. A lot of it is driven by energy transition or advanced material space. They're driven by circularity, specifically advanced recycling and some even in the mechanical recycling space, but also specific products and technologies that can deliver quantifiable sustainability benefits. I want to ask both of you, because I think you both might have a unique perspective on this. How do you see the plastics industry as enablers of sustainability? I think the 
industry has an essential role. I don't think anyone's in a better position to bring together the resume makers, the processes and the formulators, the waste management companies, local communities. This starts with the resume makers themselves, and they're probably the best positioned to engage the supply chain. And you're starting to see that through efforts like the Alliance on Plastic Waste, the investments around encouraging mechanical recycling and advanced recycling. What they may need is a catalyst for their customers to really advance this in a very meaningful timeframe. How do you engage retailers? How do you engage the public? How do you ensure that that endures, that the incentive is there to drive this transition to circularity, to increase the use of recycled material, to bring back material that can't be mechanically recycled, you know, back in as feedstock. You need the incentives to align there. And I think it's not something the industry historically has had to deal with, but it's critical that they do deal with it. What are your key takeaways from reviewing and evaluating these initiatives and these efforts to push more sustainability? It was a great experience to review so much innovation and effort and good work that's occurring across the entire plastics industry. And uh, I think if we could do this even on a more regular basis monthly, even if you just feature these organizations and the work that they're doing and the companies and technologies that are being promoted and approaches that you might see even more adoption in the future. It's very interesting and frankly encouraging to see some of these efforts and how they've really ramped up. And it's awards like this are critical to flagging these and highlighting these and continuing to encourage the investments, the the research and the effort that is needed to drive change here. Rob, Monica, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sustainably Speaking. Big thanks to Monica Ellis and Rob Westervelt for joining us today. And of course, thank you, our listeners, for sustainably speaking with us today. If you like what you're hearing, share this episode and stay tuned for more. We'll be back in your podcast feeds with a new episode next month.